You're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Do you want to speak with confidence and authority, have more influence, and get bigger and better results? Whether you're a top executive, an entrepreneur, or climbing the career ladder, this is the show for you. A leader who wants to inspire others and leave a lasting legacy. Now here's your host, world-renowned TEDx speaker, author, and executive communication coach, Dr. Laura Sokola. Welcome to the podcast, Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, your host, founder of Vocal Impact Productions and author of Speaking to Influence, Mastering Your Leadership Voice. My guest today is Joyce Chester, president and CEO of the Chester County OIC, a nonprofit organization in Chester County, Pennsylvania, that specializes in providing literacy and employment services to adults in Chester and Delaware counties. Joyce, welcome to the show today. Thank you so much, Lauren. Good to see you. I was just going to give you a quick update on, first of all, explain Chester County OIC. Great. Opportunities Industrialization Center. I've been there now. This is my 20th year after a career in for-profit, after a career in being self-employed. I landed where I think I should have been all the time. So it's been a wonderful ride. That's terrific. It's great to know that you are exactly where you're meant to be. I think that's something that all of us strive for. I think so, too. Absolutely. So as president and CEO of this organization, give us a general sense. What are your main job responsibilities and who do you need to influence? Main job responsibilities. That's that's a loaded question. So (laughs) so basically, I am there to make sure that gears are turning. So that means, you know, being fiscally responsible. And I think that is especially for social service and nonprofit fiscal responsibility is key to making sure your organization continues. And because we are teaching people how to work and be productive in their own lives, I strive to have an agency that is productive in the same way. So fiscal responsibility, having the right resources, including staff, including funding that we need to operate, including knowledge uh, as a resource, and then you know, at the end of the day, I'm washing windows and, you know, sweeping the floor and making sure things are hung up in the around the office straight. So it's that image that we project that's very important as well. Chief cook and bottle washer. Yes, we all have uh, hands in the dirt and hands on the on the wheel all at the same time. So what's the biggest communication challenge that you or Chester County OIC are facing today? Well, Chester County OIC, we operate throughout the county and you know how expansive Chester County is. We have classes throughout the county. So the one thing that I really work at is making sure that we stay connected. Most of us that work in the office, only a core of us work in the office, and then our tentacles are spread out throughout the community. So making sure that everybody gets the same information at the same time when information comes to us and leaves from us so quickly, you know, things change, environment changes the workforce changes, and we have so many community partners that we're connected to that, you know, keeping all those balls in the air sometimes is challenging. Yes, I would imagine it. And you've got quite the range of volunteers. How many, give or take, are with you now? Probably our highest, we've had up to 120 volunteers, Mm. most doing literacy projects, working with tutors, tutors working with students. Yes. And our volunteer program is amazing. And we also work with a number of community service people 
Some are remanded by the courts. Some just come in on their own because they have to do community service hours. Some are kids in high school. They use us as their community service project. Mm. And then our board, of course, they're volunteers as well. So we have a really robust uh, volunteer program at Chester County OIC. And when you're talking about literacy tutors who are working with students, the students are adults, correct? Yes, we work with adults in the county, uh huh. 18 and older. Every once in a while, 17 year old will slip in and, you know, we will make it work, but we're working with adults in the county. That's great because it's all about job preparation and, and economic opportunity, correct? Correct. And those fundamental skills, you'd be surprised. We had, I'll never forget this, there's a gentleman that came to us. We have a tutoring program at Chester County Library. He came into us because, you, and if you saw this man, you would never believe this, but he, he was losing his job and he needed to learn how to read. Hmm. What was the job he was losing? I can't remember the job he lost, but the job he was going to was an insurance company okay. and he could not read. He had to test to get into, to do what he wanted to do. We could not believe he came in in a suit, tie, and my um, program coordinator called me and she says, I can't believe that he can't read, mm. but he had passed all of his life. He was at that age, he was almost uh, at the late fifties, I would mm-hmm. say. And I said, are you sure he can't read? She said, he cannot read. He had his wife all these years read for him wow. so that he could do the job that he needed to do. Wow. So, uh, we have wonderful stories working at, and, and we're so helpful to be able to change the trajectory of somebody's life. That is light bulb moment for us. And we love that, which is why we work so hard. To, so we want to see people have opportunities that they may not otherwise have. And were you able to teach him to read in his late we 50s? We did. We did. And we actually, this happened, oh God, some years ago, we actually honored him because we saw his journey and we met his wife. We saw his journey. We were so proud of him that he was not, number one, too embarrassed to come to us yes. and say, here is my issue. I cannot read. Mm. We embraced him. We do that with many of our students. We just kind of hug them up <laughs> until we can move them up. You know, it's just really important to us. And to see that is just amazing. And we yes. see it over and over and over again. So, yeah, that's I- why there for 20 years. Yes. yes. And I love the fact that you called it a light bulb moment because uh, in, in my former life, a gazillion years ago, right after I finished college, my first real job was teaching elementary school in South Central Los Angeles. And uh, it was third grade in particular, my first years. And it was, that's such a pivotal year because that's where, as we say, kids go from that's it. Uh, learning to read to reading to learn. And for those who were still struggling at that age, when they it clicks, oh my gosh, that when that's exactly what we called it, the light bulb moment. But watching it, the kids register and having it turn the tide for them is so powerful. And you just want, like you said, you want to hug them up. And sometimes we did, as a matter of fact. I <laughs> well, you know, I'm on the school board in Westchester. And one of the reasons I'm on the school board, my children have gone through this district themselves, but I get to see firsthand, like when children fall between the cracks, they become the adults we serve. Yes. They become, so it's a continuum of service that I can see what happens to kids when they fail to thrive. Mm. They become the adults that we serve. And we have actually been able to link with local high schools to talk to the guidance department and the superintendents about that population that's not quite thriving. There's many different reasons, not to say it's the fault of the school district. I'm not going there, but you never know what's happened with an individual kid. 
and you never know what, why he's not like, it could be things at home. It could be all kinds of things. So we get to see that and we get to, you know, understand that struggle so that, and we've actually had young folks in that same category who have come to us and said, I can't stay in school. Please help me get my GED. Mm. You know, for some kids, we have to get special permission, but we want them to go into adulthood with that sense of, I'm making this decision for me. I know this is what I need. You know, there's just a gap there. So we're able to help fill that. And that is exciting to me. That is such an important piece of of helping people at any age and any stage to say, I'm doing this for myself. It's a personal choice. I want this. I want to better myself. And it's no different when even for the for the adults, for the leaders that I coach and the training that I do, that's part of the onboarding for me. I need to make sure if someone comes to me and says, I want you to, to do coaching for this high potential, we want to groom them for leadership, et cetera, I need to meet them and make sure that they want this kind of coaching too, because if they don't want it, don't waste your money or anybody's time. That, that doesn't make sense. That's right, Laura. Absolutely right. So that's why I appreciate. We work with very different populations, but we take them as they are when they come to the door. Like we have to assess like where they are, what they might need and come to a mutual agreement about getting to this goal is going to look like this. Yes. So now you've got so many successes under your belt. Tell us about a mistake that you made or a lesson that you had to learn the hard way. Okay. That's every day by 10 (laughs) o'clock. I can remember this like it was yesterday. I will, This was a life lesson that will stick with me. I was really upset with some of my staff because I didn't think they were just motivated enough or doing enough. And, and so from my vantage point, I would look at this team and I'd say, okay, I think they're underachieving. So I brought the team up to talk to them. And in talking to them, I compared them to another team in our organization who I thought were great producers, something every day new was coming. We see people changing their lives mm-hmm. every day. And I told them that. And I said, I, I want you to be more like them. It was a very open comparison. So they sat there, they looked at me, they said nothing. About two days later, they came back to me. They sent one spokesperson mm. come back to me that said, you know, our job is very different than that other team. And we work really diligently every single day. These are the kinds of things, and I know they're not as maybe as visible or as, you know, it's just different, Mm. but it's not to say that we don't work as hard as the other team. We are trying to make this work. We just moved to a new community. We are trying to learn this community so that our service is spot on for this community. And yet the way you judged us was very hurtful. Yeah. So I said, well, why didn't you say that at the time? And she said, I think we were stunned. I think Mm. we were just stunned. We thought we were doing a great job. And then all of a sudden, we're not. And then the comparison between the other folks get different supports than we do. And I sat back and I said, okay, first of all, I visualized myself reeling those words back. Mm. Because it's like, you don't compare your children. You don't tell your children, you know what? I really like him better because (laughs) you you don't do that. Right. And I and I thought and I said, you know what? I'm sorry. That was hurtful now that I think about it. And if I could take it back, I would. I can't. All I can do is tell you that I'm sorry and let's move forward in a way that's positive and productive. And 
you know, there are places, would you agree there are places that we could improve? And, and she said, yes. And I said, why don't we just identify those places and work towards that? I said, I would like to regain your trust. So we will work through that. And as we work through that, I will gain trust in your process and you will gain trust in how I manage you. Yes, yes. Actually, so I want to give you the chance for the do-over. I'm going to give you the chance to wind those words back. And if you could go back and do it all over again, how would you have started the conversation off just a little bit differently? This is what I would have done. Rather than output, I would have got more input. So I would have started by saying, tell me more. Give me some details about what's going on in your program. I would let them talk. Then I would say, tell me more. And I would really dig to uncover the details before I made assumptions about what I thought they're doing. I'm upstairs, they're downstairs. And I, so before I make assumptions, and then I actually started working, I just picked up my, I have a laptop, so there's no reason I can't work wherever I want to in that Mm -hmm. building. I start working in close proximity, you know, just kind of being around, which they told me they really appreciated because it let me see what their day was really like. Mm. And I saw people in and out and they're trying to follow the, you know, their to-do list for the day. And then a client comes in who needs help immediately, who has a crisis. And so it just gave me a deeper appreciation. And so I think both of us, and I explained to them, I'm not the end all be all. I don't know everything. I just do the best I can. I'm I'm a team player just like you, but I just have a different job. So I'm trying to do the best I can with the knowledge that I have. And maybe I need more knowledge. Maybe I need to know more. (laughs) So, yeah. And that's great that you had the chance to then figure out how to go and observe for yourself and really see what's going on rather than just make assumptions from based on paper or those kinds of things. I was just going to say, as human beings, I think we all tend to do that a bit. We, we make assumptions about what we think we know before we actually kind of break it down to see, well, okay, what do we really know? And that a lot of times me going to the source and saying, tell me more, tell me more. Okay, well, then this brings us to the listener 24-hour influence challenge. So you just figured out how you were able to have more influence by adjusting the approach to these kinds of difficult conversations. Given everything what we've discussed so far, this is your chance to speak directly to our listeners and challenge them to each take one step that they can complete within 24 hours so that they can have more influence. How would you like to challenge our listeners today? This is what I would like to do. I mentioned to you at the start of this conversation that I used to work in corporate and I used to actually work in in advertising. And at the time, I was invited to come onto the board of OIC. I I never mentioned that to you before. So I came onto the board in in the 80s, the late 80s. And then I left, you know, I'm I'm all about corporate. And and the first thing I did was I went to my CEO and said, this is a great nonprofit. I said, these people are getting people jobs. They're get, And I said, we need to give them a donation. So the CEO said, okay, well, can you tell me more? So I went and found out more about this organization and I presented it to him. I had never stepped out like this before. So this was at the time new for me. I had, I didn't really know that much about nonprofits. What I'd like to share with the audience is that nonprofits exist and many are doing great work. That's where I think the seed for the passion started to develop. The CEO said, okay, we're giving them $5,000, which in the late eighties, that was a lot of money. So, so and I was new to the board and, and, you know, it was first time I was asking to do anything like this. So we went presented this check. What I would say to the audience is find something, find a nonprofit where you have a passion 
Nonprofits can't run on love and hope and wishes and good. They need funds. They have real things that they have to do to make themselves successful. One of the things I learned early coming into nonprofits is that many good-hearted people come in to run nonprofits with a social service background. One of the first things I said to my team when I came to OIC is, okay, people, I don't like people that much. What I care about is that we have an organization that is sound so that when people come to us looking for us to help them, we are here. So that is how I've always, and I do like people (laughs) somewhat. No, I, I do. But I I think it's important. I think people should be challenged to go outside of their comfort zone, find something they're passionate about, find one nonprofit that you can link your star to, send them a check today. Okay, everybody, you have your marching orders. Yes, Facebook likes are lovely. Yes, promoting things on social media is lovely. But in the end, they need fuel for the fire. Find a nonprofit that speaks to you, to your heart, your mind, your soul, whatever it is, and speaks to your checkbook and write a check. Have your influence by helping others through that. Yes, Joyce, did I get that right? You said that so well. Yes, yes, and yes. Thank you. <laughs> Wonderful. All right. So then let's talk a little bit about how you lead your team. And when we think about things like succession planning, career advancement in the organization, what's your definition of executive presence, otherwise known as leadership presence, command presence, or just that X factor that lets you know that someone is a leader way deep down. How do you recognize it? So part of the it, I think, for leadership, there are people that I look at that may be soft-spoken, but I know that they represent that concern. It's their passion. It's their brilliance. It's their drive. It's their organization, organizational skills about their organization. And it doesn't have to be by title. It can be by just by their persona and the job that they're performing. They're your go-to. Now, when you're looking to groom a a high potential employee or otherwise hire someone for a leadership position, what are the communication skills that you look for that they must have? And on the flip side, what's a red flag that would be a career derailer or otherwise stop you from hiring or promoting them? What I look for in a communication, knowing that communication is a two-way street, is a person that can listen and take the information that they hear and sort of assimilate it to their own being and be able to, when they respond, you know clearly that they've heard you. And also, I want someone that can negotiate conflict, that can talk through. So everything isn't pie in the sky. It's okay, when we have issues, this is how I handle them. And I I don't want them to tell me that, yes, I can handle it. Give me some examples of how you've handled it. You know, how when you have a tight or tough situation, how do you bring people in to understand your point of view? And how do you get to understand their point of view? I think Mm -hmm. that's really critical. So it's give and take for communication. I think that's important. Yes. And you ask me on the flip side, if somebody comes to me and every single thing they've done is wonderful and perfect and great and okay, that's not human. That's not (laughs) Really? So I want more react. Tell me, give me the dirt, give me the grist. I want to know we all have challenges. So when they come up, what do you do? Because if you tell me that your life is perfect every single day, the environment itself is challenging. So how do you deal with it? Right. 
Right. And if you are someone who happened to live under that perfect umbrella for a while, you're about to jump in and work in a context where things aren't perfect every day. How do you handle life when it's not perfect? You don't have the experience for that. So hmm, perhaps there's not such a good fit after all. That's right. And we've seen folks that have come to us that some of my greatest learning is when I see people that come in and they say, oh, I just have a passion for working with folks like this. And the first person that steps in, their eyes just glaze over. It's like they are lost. They don't know what. So I, I can somewhat read through that now to say, you know what? This might not be the first place you might want to work in, in a nonprofit environment. Very Having a good important. heart is great, but there's so many other things that come with that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. The balance. It's got to be the whole set. Correct. Terrific. Can you tell me about a time when your team brought an idea to you and you just said, nah, you got to take that back to the drawing board? How how do you like them to bring information? What should they do more of or do less of? I like new ideas. I try to at least entertain them. I don't want them. I don't want to have language, even body language that says, oh my God, no. You know, <laughs> I can think of one staff in particular. She's our, I call her our staff millennial. She has at least a big idea a day. Nice. And so, so this is what I do, literally. What I do is when, that, when my staff comes to me, and I do encourage them to come with new ideas mm-hmm. because I want us to be thinking, you know, big, broad, that I send them back and say, okay, tell me how this will work. Mm-hmm. Show me how you can make this work. Yes. And show me what resources we, and show me the cost of doing this. Put all those details together and then let's talk about it again. Yes. So give me the plan, not just the idea. Correct. Don't sit the idea on my lap. Okay, that's a nice idea. Now take it back and work it through. Yes. Yes. Nice. Get into a little bit, not all the details, but definitely map it out. Flesh it out. Yes. Flesh it out just a little more and let's talk about it again. Yeah. Terrific. So this brings us then finally to the speed round. A couple of three last real quick questions that are issues that regularly come up with clients in my training and coaching. And they're often thought about as kind of a black and white issue, even though we know life is all about shades of gray. So I'm going to ask you for that black or white choice, what your instinct is, and then I'll ask you for a little bit more detail from there. So first, public speaking, love it or hate it? Love it. Can you give me a tip, give everyone else a tip for managing nerves and speaking with confidence, even when you don't feel it? Move, move a part of your body, move your hands, move your head. Don't stand rigid, move and breathe. Yes. And smile. That was more than one word. Yes. No, that part doesn't have to be one word. That's the explanation. That's a terrific tip. So thank you for that. And yes, remembering to breathe, move the body, release the tension. Great suggestion because your body and your mind do absolutely work together. Introvert or extrovert, where do you fall? Both. Hmm. I process thought. Yep. Very introvert. It's much safer for me to process thought in in a very introverted way. But then I have the need to be around folks to kind of flesh out ideas and to get feedback, Mm -hmm. just working with people and getting acknowledgement and being able to acknowledge others. And so it sounds like a strength of yours then is that ability to process and engage at the same time. But what's, what's an area for growth as a result? Well, I think one of my growth areas has been that I've learned to process somewhat internally Okay, because just speaking out, you know, random thoughts makes everybody crazy. So I try to at least get, I try really hard to get them organized in such a way that it's engaging for others and not just 
me running off at the mouth. <laughs> As an extrovert, I understand what that propensity is like, and it is definitely something I'm working on too. Finally, regarding conflict, nobody likes it, but DNA hardwiring is your natural tendency to want to avoid at all costs or just dive right in and address. Okay, Laura, I love conflict. And Ooh, I'm going to okay. tell you why. I'm going to tell, tell you why. I love good conflict. I'm ah, not yes. anger or fighting. I'm talking about, you know, coming to the table with diverse ideas. This is what I always say to my staff. That diamond was once a rock, but conflict caused it to turn into a diamond. Mm. So you have to have diverse ideas to make things, you know, I want somebody with passion coming from this side and with passion coming from this side. And let's churn that together because that's what's going to produce a great product at the end of the day. Yes. Not my way or the highway. We all work here together. So your influence, my influence, that's going to make a great product. So it's the creative tension that's a healthy kind of conflict. that creative tension. That's exactly what it is. I think that it's so important for people to realize that conflict and combat are not synonymous. Not synonymous at all. Terrific. Yeah. And that's something that I work with my staff, you know, to let them know it really is okay not to agree with me. It really is okay. Yeah. There are going to be times when I don't agree with you, but we can we can talk about that. Yes. Anything can be talked about and discussed. Yeah. As long as it's done diplomatically and respectfully, that's the key. That's it. Love it. Joyce, tell us how people can learn more about you and Chester County OIC. Well, I'm an open book. If you Google me, I'm sure I'm there. So, but Chester County OIC, so many wonderful things are happening. And if you're listening to this, we would love to include you on in our mail list. So you need to go to our website immediately www.ccoic.org, ccoic.org. That's all you really need to remember. And uh, that'll give you an update. We keep our blog updated on the website. So many good things happening. So much information about jobs and training for those jobs. All of that is on the website. And then our phone number is 610-692-2344. Call us if you have any questions, if you want to know more, if you want to know about more about our training. If you want to donate. If you want to donate, (laughs) and I'm sure you do, you can do that now and get that off your things to do list. So yes, that's where you'll find the heart of who we are and what we do in the community. Terrific. And uh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today and sharing all of your stories with us. Laura, I've enjoyed this. Thanks for inviting me and uh, hope to talk to you again soon. Absolutely. And everybody else out there, thank you once again for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And don't forget to give us a five-star rating on iTunes so we can help even more people increase their confidence, presence, and influence. And finally, if you want to download my quick start guide to mastering the three C's, command the room, connect with the audience, and close the deal, go to speakingtoinfluence.com. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, and you're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Laura Sokola, and I want to sincerely thank you for listening to the Speaking to Influence podcast. If you love listening to these episodes as much as I love bringing them to you, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And please go to iTunes right now to rate and review our podcast in order to help us expand our reach so even more people can master the three C's to command the room, connect with the audience, and close the deal. Thanks for listening to Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite, the show for leaders who want to speak with impact. 
The host, producers, owners, and media distributors of the show make no guarantees that the strategies and information discussed will result in profit or other success and may result in losses. The opinions and statements of the hosts and guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the owners, staff, managers, broadcasters, or sponsors of the show. No medical or psychological therapy or personal or professional wellness or relationship advice is offered in the show. You are advised to seek counsel on matters related to your health, family, relationships, job, or other business and legal matters from licensed advisors in those areas prior to making any changes in business or lifestyle. No information provided may be suitable in your situation. As always, take responsibility for the decisions and actions you take, including the reactions they may make in your work, family, health, and life.